Hello and welcome to Screen Babble, your brand new guide to what to watch. We'll be putting in the long hours to decipher what's worth your viewing time and what's to be avoided. I'm your host Kelly Crichton and each week I'll be joined by Alex Moreland and Stephen Rass, our resident TV critics, who'll keep you right on the road to viewing pleasure. Hi both, it's been a few weeks since episode one thanks to illness and holidays, but we're here now ready for bumper TV month ahead plus the World Cup. Stephen, are you a football fan? Um, no, but I am. Every time the World Cup comes around, I get <laughs> really, really into it. So, um, yeah, it's interfered with what I'm watching this week because every time I was going to put something else on, I end up watching the games that were playing instead. And, yeah, I have to say England have been doing pretty well so far. Yes. Which is nice. There isn't that many households across the UK, I imagine, that aren't impacted in some way, shape or form by uh, World Cup viewing. So what about you, Alex? No, I'm... No, I've I've never been that interested, which uh, which this year has kind of lined up neatly with with what I can pretend is a moral stance. But, um, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah, no. So I've my my viewing has been pretty much pretty much normal. All all TV still, no change. I'm always there for the drama with big international competitions. There's always some stuff going on, isn't there? You know, or some some weird things will happen on the pitch and all that. So, yeah, this this one in particular, as you say, Alex, is a little bit controversial. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out on and off the pitch. But yes, but enjoy anyone who is watching back-to-back football. Uh, good luck to you. So, yeah, it's great to have you both here to share your in-depth TV knowledge once again. And just to remind listeners, we're going to have a few features each week, which include the deep dive where we look closely at something new or something that's making the headlines. And Back to the Future, where we tell listeners about releases from the last few years, which they may have missed the first time around and are worth checking out. But first, what have you both been watching this week? Stephen, tell me. Besides football, obviously. Well, yeah, I've been re-re-re-watching The Thick of It because it's just a great comfort watch and I've gone through all my other comfort watches. And <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's an incredible show, really well written. And it's weirdly aged so well because those who don't know it's, it's a sort of political satire with um, Peter Capaldi and some of the sort of less well-known names uh, working in the Department for Social Affairs and Citizenship and it's just like a sitcom about sort of how off the cuff and haphazard politics is at sort of the high level and you know they say things like oh well we could just launch this policy to, to sort of give us a bit of breathing space and the good news is we've got a couple of a billion quid to throw at it, which sounds like a lot of money. And I've, yeah, I've been rewatching that. Whereabouts um, in it are you? Well, I've, I've basically finished it. So I've got up to the, the the last two episodes, which I saw just a... How many episodes are there? I, think I can't recall. 20? There's about three episodes in the first season. And then is it like six in the second? And then about eight and eight or something like that. There's four seasons. Yeah. Um, they switch couple of one of the main cast members because he got caught. Yeah, uh, doing some really dodgy um, oh. stuff uh, in his personal life. Oh my god, I forgot um, all that. Wow. So the less said about him, the better. Um, and then they bring in Nicola Murray uh, as a new politician to replace him. And yeah, it's it's a great, yeah. great bit of political satire, and it's just it's almost not satire anymore because they, they seem more responsible and more respectable than. Yeah. A lot of the people that we currently have actually running the show, yeah. in my opinion. 
I was working in that area when that ran the first time and I thought it was the best thing I'd ever seen. It was absolutely brilliant and it was so not far from the truth. Like it was unbelievable. And also the most flamboyant, exotic and wonderful swearing you'll ever see in a TV show. (laughs) Thank you, Peter Capaldi. I wonder, did he ad lib a bit of that? He must have. So yeah, what else has been on your telly box? I've also um, I've started the English. Um, I it's a Western series starring Emily Blunt yeah. as a woman who meets up with this um, Pawnee scout who was working for the U.S. Army and now isn't, and they sort of go on this quest across like the rugged Western terrain to find the person that she thinks killed her son, and. I love Westerns and sort of every 10 years someone says that the Western genre has died and then something else comes along Mm. and sort of revitalizes it. I mean, I love the films particularly. There's fewer TV shows that are actually worth watching I've seen, but the English from what I've seen of it so far is definitely worth your time. Uh, It's just a great, tense, violent, brutal uh, Western series with sort of all of the trappings of the genre, but obviously it's a bit more modern as well. Where's that on? And that is, it's all available to watch on BBC iPlayer now, but it's airing weekly as well. That sounds interesting. Might be one for for me for after SAS Rogue Heroes once I finish that. <laughs> yes, SAS Rogue Heroes is also fantastic. Finished yeah. that last week. Good. Okay, what about you, Alex? What have you been viewing? Uh, a handful of things. I, I watched Mammals, the sort of the James Corden thing on Amazon. Mm-hmm. That. It, it was kind of, kind of a strange program, but um, I I enjoyed it much more than I expected to, and I um, sort of watched the whole thing through in one evening. Mm-hmm. Um, James Corden is he's kind of playing this sort of insufferable chef character, uh, which so so it's kind of funny that he's obviously had this very public argument with a chef yes. in the in the lead up. Maybe it was life staged. imitating art or art imitating life or something. Maybe maybe it's all all secret marketing. <laughs> and he kind of discovers that his his wife has been, I guess, having having an affair, uh, possibly several affairs. So it, it's kind of about how he responds to that, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of six half hour episodes, so it sort of moves quite quickly. It's good. I enjoyed it. Would would recommend. It's a strange one, um, kind of tonally, because it's trying to be. It is sort of deliberately and intentionally all over the place. Like you've got some kind of sad moments because they're sort of grieving as well. That mm. that's um, something else that's going on in there. So it kind of goes from that to this sort of sort of slapstick comedy, mm-hmm. and and Tom Jones is in it briefly. Um, so, so it's interesting kind of in, in that sense, the way it's sort of all over the place. And I've been watching Andor as well, which is the sort of Star Wars spin-off mm. thing that's on at the moment. Uh, finale out today, which I'll, I'll go and watch this evening uh, and, and hopefully quite enjoy. Yeah, we, may, we maybe talk about that in a bit more detail next week then once you've finished yeah, it. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. And is Mammals likely to come back for Series 2, do you think? Or I, have there been any rumblings? I haven't heard anything um, mm-hmm. officially or, or unofficially. Um, <laughs> I just did my finger to the pulse for all, for all honestness. <laughs> um, I, I would say it ends in a way that kind of suggests they are hoping to make more of it. 
Okay. Um, and, and I'd watch more of it. I'd quite happily watch some more okay. of it. Does it rehabilitate James Corden then? Is he forgiven for, for, for being James Corden? Was he called a cretin or a, <laughs> a weasel? I, I think he's been, been called all sorts of things. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because I, I do think generally he's he's quite a good actor. Mm. You know, it was, you know, setting aside everything else about it. He didn't. He didn't win the BAFTA for Cats in the end, did it? Shockingly <laughs> and disappointingly, no. It was. It was stolen from him. The thing about James Corden is everybody's favourite James Corden is the Gavin and Stacey Smithy. character, yeah. Smithy, isn't it? You know, and then it's like, oh, he went off and got too big for his boots, didn't he? You know, all his stole, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, so it's in, well because in in this he's. Um, I think he's quite good, but they haven't. I mean, like I was saying, they're trying to do some like big sort of tonal swings and stuff, but yeah. it feels like they haven't kind of weighted the scales for the fact that it is James Corden. Mm. So they're they're taking these big swings that would, you, you know, would work with another actor with with Colin Morgan's in it as well. It, it wouldn't be weird for him to be doing all of these things, mm. but um, the fact that it's James Corden obviously adds to the weirdness. You know, when when Tom Jones is in it or when he's uh, you know, on his little scooter, which we, I think you're meant to take him seriously on his scooter, but he just looks ridiculous on the scooter. But okay. he, he's strange because the um, he's like tonally they haven't accounted for the fact he is James Corden. So the whole yeah. thing becomes weirder in some places, funnier in some places, sadder in some places than I think they necessarily meant to, which, which is yeah. interesting as well. It kind of adds to the whole experience of watching it. Mm, I'm intrigued. I'm going to have to at least watch one now. Yeah, it is, it is an odd show, but yeah. I think worth worth checking out. Yeah, odd is probably a, a good thing these yeah. days, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed that. About Standard. Yeah. Cool, yeah. Well, episode one, I was saying that my taste is kind of eclectic. So, yeah, I've been watching Lord of the Rings to fill the gap that the Game of Thrones prequel has left in my life. And then, of course, I'm a celebrity. I know you guys aren't massive fans, but I'm glued to I'm a Celebrity and enjoying it. But a bit disappointed that it's very heavily male at this stage now. There's only um, Jill from The Lionesses, Jill Scott. She's the last female left in there. So it's quite male heavy cast the stage. Cannot believe that Matt Hancock is still there. But that final is on... This Sunday night. So I think Stephen's going to talk a little bit more about that in mini babble on uh, Friday morning. That and at the weekend, I watched a good film actually called The Wonder, which is on Netflix. I just checked there actually before I came on and it's at number three on the Netflix film top 10 today. And the rest of the top 10 is like Christmas movies, (laughs) pretty much. And the new the new Slumberland is number one, which I'm kind of keen to, to watch with my kids. (laughs) <laughs> I should mention but like Jason Moma looks absolutely wild in it so yeah back to the wonder so this is essentially a film period drama directed by Sebastian Lelio starring Florence Pugh do I pronounce that correctly I never know if yeah. I know I'm, I'm pronouncing yeah, it correctly it's like a church pews or like a laser gun yeah, as opposed to, as opposed to puh, yeah. <laughs> which it could be as well. Friends, puh. Yes. She is really, really good in this. Uh, you know, she, she plays, it, this is set in a small village in Ireland, just post-famine. And she plays an English nurse who is brought in to keep an eye on a 11-year-old girl who's starving 
herself, essentially. Well, she's not eating, but she's surviving. And there's this sort of suggestion that it's God keeping her alive and they're all very religious. And she says it's manna from heaven that's sustaining her. And she hasn't eaten for four months. And there's lots of people like coming to the village to see her or visit her. And she seems to be fine, totally normal, despite the fact she's not eating. So they've this local committee has decided that they need to find out what's going on and they brought they bring in Florence Pugh's character and a nun because obviously you need a nun as well. Um, and basically then it's, it kind of unfolds like kind of what's going on, what is, you know, she, it takes a while for her to kind of discover what's going on. It's all very dark and like so many things are these days, dark and dreary and laborious and there's a lot of shots of Florence Pugh's character eating because obviously the other person isn't you know and it's quite laborious at some points but it's a good watch I enjoyed it it's a little bit heavy if you're not looking for something if you're looking for something light and airy I wouldn't bother with this but um, really good performance acting performances and uh, yeah Kieran Hines is in it as well but he doesn't um, feature very heavily. He was in Belfast recently. He's a very familiar face across TV and film. So yeah, that's my recommendation for this week anyway. So that's what we've been watching. But Alex spoke to some of the BAFTA breakthrough talent for 2022 a couple of weeks back. And here's what star of This Is Going To Hurt Ambika Maud told him she's been watching recently. Finished watching Elite the Ryan yesterday, the mm. new series on Prime, which is great. And then before that, I watched um, second season of Hacks, which is I'm obsessed with. Love Hacks, so good. I I watched. I was quite late to the late to the party with this. Dope sick. You watched it? Not yet. On Disney Plus. Yeah, it's on the list. It's honestly one of the most amazing things I've seen, and it's because it's real as well. I was just like hooked. Um, Yeah, just incredible. I mean, that's very. It's very heavy. It's very serious, but. Um, just incredibly made like every scene ends on a cliffhanger and the whole the whole thing just gets worse and worse because it's about the opioid crisis and amazing performances um, and uh, yeah what else have I watched I've, it's hard when you binge stuff you forget what you've yeah. watched but I've seen so much good stuff this year yeah we're actually going to do the Back to the Future feature this week first so Stephen Tell us, this is where we let the listeners know about something that might bypass them the first time round and um, save them scrolling for hours trying to find something new. You're going to talk to us about Lilyhammer. Yeah. So Lilyhammer is the first uh, Netflix original series to have come out. Um, and it stars Steve Van Zandt, who is known, A, as a singer. Um, he was in the Bruce Springsteen E Street Band, I think. Oh. Um, but then... Better known as playing Silvio in The Sopranos, which I could easily do a Back to the Future on. If it was streaming or anything, I would talk about it all day. Mm-hmm. The Sopranos is fantastic. This isn't as good as The Sopranos, but very little is. It's still very good. It's still worth watching. There are some weird things about it. Like you would think, so to, to explain what Lilyhammer is, Stephen Zandt's character is uh, Frankie. He was this gangster in the mob in, in the US like his character in The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. But he flips on his other mob friends, goes to the police, hands in evidence to avoid jail sentence, and goes into witness protection, and he requests to be sent to Lilyhammer um, in Norway. 
I started watching it because I was going to Oslo for a weekend break. And whenever I go in sort of somewhere like abroad, I like buy a book written that's set in that country. And I watch like a film or a show that's set there just to sort of imbibe the cultures. You know, it is what it is. But anyway, he goes, goes to Norway, starts a new life and immediately just starts falling back into like... His old ways. So is that quite like your trip to Norway then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he t- he takes over he, he takes over control of like a, a bar. He starts blackmailing everybody, breaking an entry, basically running the city, taking on rival street gangs. But the weird thing is, is that you'd think if you're doing a gangster show starring one of the secondary characters from one of the well, the biggest gangster show ever, that you'd like give yourself some distance from it. Mm. But he's got the same hairstyle as his character Silvio in The Sopranos. He acts in the same, like, awkward uh, way as him. You need to describe he, that motion you did. For the- yeah, with, with the, ha- the hands and the rigid movements. And one of the first lines when he gets to Norway is he's like, oh, what do you hear, what do you say? Which is something that Paulie Walnuts would always say in The Sopranos. So... Do you not think that happens a lot, though, with a lot of the actors from it Sopranos? Does. They play the it exact does. same part in other yeah, films. Yeah, I, mean, and I mean, so many characters in kind the of typecast. Mm-hmm. Um, were in Goodfellas. And they, they also sort of, there's some sort of references to The Godfather in there as well, in the, in the early episodes as well. But but it, it is weird that you've... There's there's a fan theory that, and I don't I don't really want to spoil The Sopranos, but it did come out. It finished in 2007. Do you know I've never seen it? Yeah, neither have I. So don't you can't. Yeah, <laughs> you can't tell us. Okay, well this isn't a spoiler then. I'll, I just I'll haven't seen the last it. two episodes. I just stopped. I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, there's a fan theory that Sylvia's character from this is in some way a continuation of where his character arc left off at the end of The Sopranos. Okay. So people who have seen The Sopranos might know what that means. But it, obviously that's not what it is, but it could be because it's basically the same character. But yes, yeah, Steve Van Zandt, he stars in it. I think he directed some episodes. He wrote the series and he did the, the score. So he basically put the entire show together himself. And then, um, yeah, ran for three seasons, got cancelled after season three. There was a bit of a a hoo-ha because the the Norwegian network that it aired on, they'd sort of made it in collaboration with Netflix. They put it on their website before it was released on Netflix. Oh, oh my God. Netflix were a bit upset and then it um, they didn't go on for a season four. But yeah, it was, it was filmed on location in Lillehammer, which I, I, I really like when they do that. It mm-hmm. gives it a very authentic feel. You know that it's like a real sort of place and setting that, that, it, that it's in and it's not just on a, a soundstage somewhere. When did it come out? Um, Came out in 2012, the first first season, and then the last season was 2014. So yeah, you can't see anybody like putting anything out before Netflix these days. There'd be like absolute no, pandemonium, not, wouldn't yeah. there? Yeah, like that. I mean, you might have been able to like an admin error back ten years ago, but not now, you know. Okay, cool. So, so you enjoyed it? Yeah, there are, there are a few problems with it. My, my main issue is that Frankie's character is just. On, unbearably unlikable, totally irredeemable, doesn't really have any. Mm. The first episode, he's okay. Like, he's clearly a gangster, but he's like, in in the same way that Tony Soprano in the early days was all about respect and sort of, there was a weird sort of sense of fairness and, Mm. and, 
like a code to him. Mm-hmm. After episode one, that sort of all goes by the wayside, and he just screws over anybody that he can. And and so you kind of think, well, why am I rooting for this guy? Which makes it a bit laborious in places. That's my biggest gripe for the series. But it for for Netflix's first ever original shot, I think they did really well. They've mm. put out some proper stinkers since. This was a pretty good. Do you uh, think it's um, if if you've seen them, do you reckon it's better than than kind of their other big early ones, House of Cards and Orange Is the New Black? I um, it didn't go on for as long, yeah. did it? So House of Cards is sort of ruined by yeah. like. The first season of House of Cards, I thought was, at the time, I kept saying to my friends, I was like, this is one of the best yeah. seasons of television I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. And then after they got rid of one of the big characters in House of Cards, early, fairly early doors, it got a bit bit more laborious. And then obviously the whole Kevin Spacey thing mm-hmm. happened and obviously they had to get rid of him, but it didn't help the series. I stopped watching it way before that. I lost interest in it and yeah. I really enjoyed it at the start. It just completely lost its way. House of Cards and Orange is the New Black were way better than Lilyhammer <laughs> when they were at their best. Yeah. But I think Orange is the New Black lost its way a little bit as well. I, I loved 100%. it. I watched the whole thing and I actually overall loved loved it. But the last couple of series were a bit like, what is even going on here? You know, just kind of, I think they were just, they stretched it out a little bit too far. But I still loved it all. I still watched it all again. But yeah, so um, I guess the, to put it in even in the same discussion as those two programs is quite something isn't it yeah i mean they're weirdly also both other examples of very unlikable protagonists yeah. so maybe maybe netflix just has a thing about just these anti-heroes that aren't really anti-heroes they're just idiots aren't we living us. in that aren't we living in that world now though like succession mm. and all that i mean succession is the yeah. biggest example of completely every single character is unlikable yes that's true you know your allegiances change every week and you're Torn and yeah, which Similar is what I kind of love of about the dragon it. as well. Exactly, yeah, and Game of Thrones to an extent. A lot of yeah, Netflix yeah. shows still. The Crown. Yeah, <laughs> maybe just everyone's <laughs> bad these days. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, well, thank you for that, Stephen. Lilyhammer, you can get on Netflix all three seasons. Okay, back to modern day, and Alex is going to talk to us about a relatively new series called The Bear. Alex, over to you. Uh, yes, so. So I've been, it's, it's kind of getting to the end of the year, so I've been trying to catch up on stuff from from earlier in the year, kind of the big kind of acclaimed stuff that I'd just not got around to yet. So I've been watching things like like Industry and now, and now The Bear. Uh, if anyone has any other recommendations, do write in. But um, so The Bear is, it's a sort of, it's set in a kitchen uh, in, in Chicago, sort of a sandwich shop kitchen. Uh, and it was very kind of very acclaimed in America. I suspect it will probably end up on a lot of end of year best of lists. They they really loved it over there. Less fanfare here uh, when it arrived mm. on Disney Plus in I want to say September, so a couple of months afterwards. Um, but it is about it's about this guy uh, called Carmi, who is he's played by Jeremy Allen White, who's in the 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 US Shameless remake. So he is a professional chef. He's a very kind of fancy chef. He's kind of not exaggerating to say that he was at one point like the best chef in the world. And his brother owned or kind of ran the family sandwich shop back in Chicago. 
His brother dies, he commits suicide. And so Kami comes back, he, he leaves this kind of world of, you know, high, high cuisine. And he comes back to back to Chicago to run to run the family restaurant. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of on on one level it's about, you know, how kind of intense it is in the kitchen, how because the the kitchen, the way it's running is very different from how Kami's used to in in this sort of high cuisine world. So he's going around trying to change it, trying to make it more organised, trying to fit it to his preferences for how that thing should be run. And so on one level, it's about kind of the the clash between him and the people who are already working there. And then on on another level, it's about him kind of not coming to terms with, but I guess trying to process uh, like like his grief for his brother. And it's very good. I would recommend it. So how many parts is it? Uh, it is, it's eight episodes, which are about half an hour each. Uh, the mm-hmm. seventh episode is, it's a little bit shorter, it's 20 minutes, but it's this, it's all filmed in kind of in one shot. So it's, you know, they're working in the kitchen. It is a particularly intense day and, you know, the camera's following them around and you can just see them all for various reasons, just kind of, losing their handle on what's going on okay. like like boiling point i was just about to say, i was just looking yeah, it up, it i was trying to remember similar. the name of it yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so there's um the boiling point they're making into a tv show as well uh Steven, Stephen graham's okay. back vanetta robinson uh the, the i don't think i could handle any more of it it, yeah. Was, yeah. it was the most stressful cinema experience i've ever had I and yeah spoiler alert the bit at the end where he's like on the ground, you're like, I am on the ground with you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think the reason they're bringing that back is sort of because of the success of the bear. But um, sure, it, it's interesting because a lot of the discussion of the bear was about, you know, the intensity and like, oh, this is mm-hmm. sort of the most stressful TV experience ever. And I kind of put it off for ages because of that. Mm. Um, and now having watched it, it's like, that that is definitely true. That is definitely a level of it to it. But um, I think what I I don't, I don't know maybe clicked more with, responded to more was was all of the stuff about his brother and about his grief for his brother mm-hmm. and sort of trying to not confront it but navigate that. Um, so mm-hmm. it worked. I, I don't want to say it works on multiple levels because that sounds very very hacky. But, but you just did. but it works on multiple levels. Did. Yeah, I don't, just said it twice. <laughs> How does how does it compare to to Boiling Point? I well, I haven't seen Boiling Point because okay. because it seemed too stressful for me. Um, <laughs> it's quite short, though. I would say. Yeah, it's blissfully yeah. short. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even though it's intense. No, I re- I really like um, Finette Robinson, mm-hmm. so I'm going to try and try and check it out. Okay. Well, we'll get your Excuse feedback me. on that once you do. Yeah. So that's great. Lots of various recommendations for this week, and when and no hard avoid on anything. Is there anybody no hard avoids for anything you watch? Well, this avoid week? boiling point in the bear if you're, you know, <laughs> yeah. If you've got anxiety, susceptible yeah. to stress, yeah. Exactly, or if you've been triggered by angry chefs, definitely avoid it. Uh, yeah. Or really, really intense kitchen scenes. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. Do look out for Friday morning's mini screen babble, which will preview what to watch over the weekend and beyond. Stephen will be giving us all his recommendations in a fab five-minute podcast that will set up all your viewing needs. 
If you have any suggestions for what TV we need to get in our lives, drop us a line via our social media. You'll find us on Twitter at National World TV and on all other platforms as National World, including Mastodon, by the way. Uh, we'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast so we can reach as many TV lovers as possible. We'll be back next week with more Screen Babble. Bye. Cheers. Bye.